We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at Irish Breakdown. And with me, as always, is my good friend and boss, uh, Brian Driscoll. <laughs> I'm not you know which one comes first. I'm just waiting to day. find out when you're going to run out of these different intros and just say, Irish Breakdown publisher Brian Driscoll, let's roll. Oh, well, <laughs> you're going to be waiting a while because they just okay. come to me on the spot. It's not like I write them down or anything. But uh, we he's the publisher uh, at Irish Breakdown, and we are uh, here to do our defensive 2020 end of the season awards um and by the way i'm really looking forward to the names of our awards for next year uh, <laughs> that's been is, like rattling around in your brain the last 24 hours hasn't it it, it really has uh <laughs> i'm looking forward to it i've already contacted a trophy company uh you know <laughs> get okay. something made that's coming um, out of your pocket that's <laughs> coming out of my budget uh yeah looking forward to that so next year the 2021 ibs uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun but so this year uh, we've got a, a very similar uh, category list that we had for our offensive awards. You know we what we should yesterday. do next year, Vince? I just What's thought that? of it. Yeah, what we do you should got? do this award where you and I give our picks like we normally do, but we should mm-hmm. have we should set up a poll Ooh. and allow you have to be an Irish Breakdown yes. subscriber, but allow yes. subscribers to pick their pick, and then we kind of introduce like the you know the the yeah. So let let n- n- note that write that down. Yes, someone that's, that's listening that's this Irish Breakdown subscriber, make sure that next year you you remind us because you know I will be forgetting. Uh, but I think that would be a lot of fun. Like a third panelist is the yeah. is the is the readers. Yeah, I'm right. I'm literally writing it down. Mm-hmm. All right, we got it. 
All right, it's in Sharpie too, so it's not going to go anywhere. Perfect. All right, right. so let's rock and roll on these defensive player of the year awards. Yeah, so I'm excited about these, um, and and we shared uh, a little bit just before we we pushed the record button, so we kind of know where each other is going, but then again, we kind of don't, which is which is what makes this one fun. So um, look, overall, you and I both couldn't have said any much nicer things about what the defense brought to the table. Um, It was a great group. It was a fun group. Obviously, there's going to be some holes to replace, but that's where our excitement for 2021 comes in. So we will get to that. So our first award that we want to give out is the best big man award. And and on the defensive side, that's defensive linemen and inside linebackers. Mm -hmm. So so that would be the buck. Uh, and and the middle linebacker mm-hmm. uh, position. So not Rover, even though he's mm-hmm. considered a linebacker, he is not con- in consideration for this award. The four two five. So technically, he's considered a defensive, defensive back. back. Yeah, right. Hardly inside the box. So yeah, we went we went with making him a skill player. Right. I so, thought about making it a, a making him a a making the Rover a big man. Mm-hmm. So that way we could have Kyle Hamilton win right. the best skill. All right, but it really was forcing it because he's not real. I mean, he's two hundred fifty. Jeremiah Wusu's two hundred fifteen pounds. Right, exactly. Right? And he's not he's not asked to play like a big man, you know. So right. uh, we had to go with it. Not just the inside players and, and the it, if you're line. describing Jeremiah Wusu Cormo, the the term skill mm-hmm. has to be involved. So hundred percent. It just 100%. is what it is, man. So so best big man award. Uh, I'm gonna let you hit lead off here. Who did you have as your best big man? Yeah, I was actually a little surprised that you and I were on the same page on this one. I went with Dalen Hayes. I think <laughs> Dalen Hayes was outstanding for Notre Dame this year. And and I understand why a lot of people don't appreciate that because it's a, you know, when people have a lot, it's a numbers driven game, right? That's the Absolutely. one thing I love about football and basketball and baseball is, you know, you have numbers to kind of support it, but sometimes numbers don't tell the story. And especially at that position, that the drop position, because you you look at it. Dalen Hayes had four less pressures this year than Adi Ogundiji, but he had about eighty fewer pass rushes. You know, and because he's used to do so many different things, he drops into coverage. He has to play the run. He has to set the edge when run at him. He has to right. run run away. Uh, you know, and then when he is asked to rush the quarterback, I thought this year he was very effective. You know, he had uh, as actually had more, I believe, more hits and sacks on the quarterback this year and less pass rushes than than Khalid Kareem had last year. Uh, you know, he didn't have the high sack numbers, but he's very disruptive. And the sacks he did have were clutch. You know, when you think of the overtime sack against uh, Clemson, Clemson, you think yeah. of the Georgia Tech game when Georgia Tech was trying to mount a drive to get back in that game in the third quarter. He comes up with a big sack. Um, you know, he he really did it all for this defense. And, you know, he was to the defensive line, what Jeremiah Wusu was to the the back seven, which is he had to play the run. He had to rush the quarterback. He had to drop into coverage. Uh, he had to do it all, and he was consistently very good. I thought the Duke game was a little bit of a step back, but then he battled back and just played extremely well the rest of the year. Or actually, it was the South Florida game. Uh, and and what a lot of people don't know is Dalen battled injuries for a lot of the year. I mean, right. he had different knee, shoulder, <laughs> different things all year, and he kept playing. Um, you know, and the only game where he really couldn't play a whole lot was the Alabama game, and he didn't play much in that game because he was battling a knee injury. But um, you know, just a really outstanding all-around player. And for me, you know, it was it was it wasn't easy picking him because I think Adi Takumba Ogundiji also had an excellent year, but Dalen yeah, just absolutely Dalen just was asked to do a little bit more. I think Adi Ogundiji was more uh 
flashy at times just because of the nature of what he does. But Dalen, to me, was just a more consistent and a better all-around yep. play. And that that I think that is – you summed it up there at the very end about consistency. I, I thought his consistency is what pushed me to name him to this award. I What he did in the run game I think goes um, – it goes unnoticed by a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's why, you know, Notre Dame didn't have to load the box to stop a lot of teams in their run game because of guys like Dalen Hayes and what he was able to bring to the table. They can, they can do it with, you know, four down linemen and two linebackers. They do it with six in the box and that allows you to do other things on the back end. So um, I, I think the consistency and then just his effect in the run game is, is what pushed me to give him this award. So mm-hmm. um, good choice, by the way. Good choice. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so our next award uh, is, is a fun one. It's it's top newcomer. And, of course, that could be a true freshman. Uh, that could be a transfer student. So really, I guess uh, it, it came down to two guys, right? I mean um, – Well, three for me because I, I, I considered Riley Lewis for about five seconds or Riley Mills for about five seconds. Oh, okay. Just because I really thought he, he played well late in the year. And and Jacob with Jacob Lacey being down and Myron Tungle yeah. Lowe was banged up. Jason Adamiolo didn't play. I thought Riley Mills really answered the bell. But I, I agree that with that. Year, that year-long consistency kind of quickly had him out. But I thought he at least I thought he at least deserved mentioning uh, in, in this conversation. No question well, about it. If we're going to talk about Riley Mills for a quick second, I think the, the – amount of playing time that he was able to garner uh, this season because of injuries and, and some things uh, really makes me excited about that position moving forward. Yeah. If he didn't get the playing time that he did, I would be, a. L- I mean, look, the, the, in, the interior defensive line is going to be one of the strengths of this team in, in 2021, but uh, his added playing time this year definitely adds to that mm-hmm. and gets me even more excited about that particular position group. So, uh, you're right. I, I didn't even think about him for this award. Um, but uh, so I, I'll take this one. I, I gave it to Nick McLeod mm-hmm. uh, coming over from NC State. I, I think he really solidified the cornerback position. Um, you know, he had that experience in the ACC, which I think was huge, especially with Notre Dame being an all ACC schedule outside of South Florida, which doesn't really count anyway. Um, I, I thought that that was a big move. Um, I, I thought that. You know, did he have limitations? Yes. I mean, he, he's not Julian Love. Um, you know, he, there were some limitations to him. But I also thought that the, the leadership that he brought, uh, the consistency that he brought. I mean, look, you can still be consistent and not be the best cornerback in the country. I mean, mm-hmm. he was consistent with what he did. Um, and, and I thought without him, you'd be looking at maybe another freshman. Um, you, you might be looking at Tariq Bracey having to stay on the field when he mm-hmm. was having a bit of a battle of con, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of confidence. Um, so from that aspect, I think that hit, you know, pulling him out of the transfer portal was, was a huge get for Notre Dame. And, and uh, I think he rightfully wins this award. Uh, it, it's hard at the, I mean, you, you think about Clarence Lewis, you think about Riley Mills because they're the more traditional newcomer. Sure. You no, know? but uh, Nick McLeod to me stabilized that boundary corner position, and that was so vitally important because, you know, you mentioned consistency, and he, and here's why that's important for me as a as a coach when I look at it is, 
if I know you have limitations, but I know I'm going to get the same exact performance from you week after week after week, then I can game plan to protect those limitations. Yes. And, and as long as you give me the effort, the hustle, the, you know, that level of consistent performance, we're going to be fine as a coach. That's how I look at it. You know, when, when you're in a situation like Notre Dame was in, you know, you'd have had to play Cam Hart, who's still really learning that position, you know, uh, well, I'm very excited about, by the way, right. And lots of talent, but, you know, was he ready in 2020? I, I doubt it, but you know, you, you had some, you had that, just that consistent effort, that toughness, you knew what he was going to get. And the disappointing thing for me was his career obviously didn't end on a high note. You know, he had the missed tackle on Najee Harris and he got beat a few times against Alabama uh, in the past game. But, but overall, I thought he was a really steadying force for Notre Dame this year. And, you, you kind of knew that if they got into a game like the Alabama game, that would that's not a great matchup for him. But uh, he got everything out of his ability. And like you said, you mentioned leadership. I think that was a big part, too, because, you know, he went about his business a certain way every single day. And that's a lesson that the young cornerbacks hopefully can learn from as they now take over that position group moving forward. So, uh, you know, you, 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 I try not to just automatically give it to the first guy that pops in my head. I try to think sure. through different options. Uh, but as I thought through the other options, it was just to me, it was, it wasn't close with just with what he was able to. Now, if we were going to go top freshman, it would have been Clarence Lewis, you know, hands you know, down, no doubt. I thought he, you know, stepping into that starting lineup and, and, and played good football, you know, he wasn't great, but for a freshman, I thought he played good football. And so, um, you know, he's a tough kid, has a lot to clean up in his game as every other freshman in the world does. Uh, but, uh, really impressed with how he performed this year. And, and so there's another guy that you look at and say, boy, this is a guy you can build around moving forward. So, yeah. uh, if we were going, giving it to a you know top freshman for me, it's Clarence Lewis, uh, Riley Mills would have been sort of honorable mention in that conversation. But, uh, uh, overall, when you include transfers, it's a, it's a no brainer. It has to go to, it has to go to, uh, Nick McLeod. Absolutely. Um, it- Brian, before I, I, we get into our next one, I want to take a quick break uh, so we can pause for one of our uh, our sponsors. So we're going to do that real quick, and we will be right back with our 2020 awards. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup alone. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out that description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Okay, Brian, next up on the list uh, is, is one of my favorite awards, um, and it, it's most underrated. And, and I think the reason that I like this award so much is we get to highlight somebody who may not get the press or may not get the accolades that they deserve, uh, that 
their teammates know what they bring to the table most of the time. But those in the media, it's some in the media get it, uh, but the general population just doesn't. And and I think with the particular player that I chose uh, for this one, I think he gets a bad rap. Um, and and I'm and I'm saying this because it's true, because he's white, and he you know he is a, a certain physical makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets compared to Joe Schmidt all the time. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm talking about Drew White. Um, and that's honestly where the comparison ends uh, between those two players. And it's nothing against Joe Schmidt. Yeah, Joe their, their body types kid. and their skin color are the only things you really right. can, can say and are that, similar. Their games, are, their games, their athletic, yeah, all of that's way different. But, and you and I both know that. Anybody that watches football knows that. But I've heard it so many times uh, that it just it, it irks me to no end. Uh, and so for me – this was a no-brainer award going to Drew White. What he was able to do at that middle linebacker position, and he's coming back. He's going to be a three-year starter at that spot. Uh, and, and he had to take on a different role this year, splitting more time with Bo, uh, Bo Bauer, uh, which I thought he did well with. Eventually. Um, eventually. Yeah. I thought Agreed. he kind of struggled with it a little bit early on, sure. which can be difficult for a linebacker. you got to get in the flow of the game and see what's no happening. Question. You're coming in and out. It can be a challenge. And so that's part of the reason why I think he, he ended up handling that well. I thought his production w- was was where I anticipated that it would be. And, look, if your middle linebacker doesn't play well, um, your defense is not going to play well. And he had a bit of a crutch next to him most of the year that he's mm-hmm. having to help clean up a little bit. And that just is what it is. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you're only getting 14 tackles out of the starter next to you, you've got to – For a whole season. For a whole season. I, st- I still can't get over that. I still I know. am having trouble comprehending that. Yeah, I know. It really is puzzling. So that affects the guys around that position. I mean, it just mm-hmm. does. So Drew White is my recipient of the most underrated uh, award on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, you know, I was really torn on this one, Vince, because I, I think the Drew White one was kind of my initial – that was where I initially went with it, to be honest with you. That was my first pick, and that's where I had it really. Even if we would have recorded the show yesterday, that's where I would have gone with it, to be honest with you. But as I yeah. thought more and more about it, I, I changed my vote, and I'm going with Adi Takumba Ogundiji. And the reason I'm looking at it is a little bit different and from a, from sort of a, an, an all-conference, and you know, how he's viewed around the league kind of standpoint – I was surprised he didn't get more love when it came to the all-conference awards because, to me, it just shows that it, it still is a stat-driven thing. You know, look, you know, he had six and a half sacks, which is impressive, uh, and, and I it definitely put him in the top ten of the league. And but he didn't have. I don't think he had a single red can tackle, which blew my mind. They did, they had him down as he had no tackles for loss. They had seven sacks. I'm sorry, they had him down for no tackles for loss, which. I'm sitting there watching the games. He had to have had more than that, but it you know, must have been a lot of stops right at the line of scrimmage. But what he was so good at is something that you can't measure in a stat sheet, and that is just dominating the edge of the line of scrimmage. I mean, you want to know why teams couldn't run on Notre Dame? It's because their two ends just dominated the line of scrimmage. Yep. And you just you couldn't get any good timing getting downhill in your run game. And his ability to to set the edge effectively and set it deep and set it powerfully was really an impressive thing for me. Uh, playing the backside well, he could make plays in space. I still think of that third down stop he made uh, in space. I think it was against Michael Carter against North Carolina. Uh, and and again, he was a clutch. You know, when you needed a play, he was going to make a play. And uh, he really just had, I thought, an outstanding season. 
and just never got a lot of attention, in my opinion. Didn't yeah. get any all-league honors. I think he might have been like honorable mention in one of them or something like that. But to me, I just watch him play and I say, you know, I'll take a, a strong side defensive end like that any day of the week. Right. You know, can get a can get a sack when you need him to. Uh, but just dominating the edge of the line of scrimmage, snap after snap after snap. You mentioned earlier, big reason Notre Dame was able to to be so good against the run this season for so many games was, and still be good against the pass was, you didn't have to insert Kyle Hamilton to stop the run, right? Because they were yep. so good at setting the edge, and and Drew White to me is is a is a great choice, but. I just went more from a national standpoint. I thought sure. Adio Gandiji deserved a lot more love and respect, and uh, and he was all always overlooked, constantly overlooked. And and he actually was, you know, I was neck and neck between him and Dalen Hayes for best big man. And and the reason I gave him to Dalen is just that added coverage aspect. That was a deal breaker. Sure, it's not something Adi is asked to do. Right, exactly. But but you know because Dalen is asked to do that, that's what I use to kind of put him over the edge. But uh, just a really outsinks. I mean, their their defensive ends this year were were to me better than they were in 2018. And people are going to kind of maybe do a double take because they're going to look at Julian Aquara's stat sacks and all that. But again, eight sacks for Julian Aquara that year in 13 games is pretty good. But Adi Ogundiji this year had seven in 12 games. Uh, they played to me better offenses this year. Uh, than they did in 2018, where they didn't play really any good offenses in the regular season. Uh, and number two, you have to factor in that you know eight sacks out of 500 snaps is not a lot. You know what I mean? When yeah. so what do you do in the rest of the snaps? And and his ability to dominate against the run, uh, snap after snap after snap was something that to me made him such a good player, and that's what made him and Dalen Hayes so effective. Look, you you want to you want to know how how people view your team. You know, you say, well, you guys cover Notre Dame. You're, you're Notre Dame fans. We, we've never hidden that. We, we both no. grew up Notre Dame fans. That's why I'm yeah. covering this team and not some other team. Right. Uh, you know, uh, he, here's the deal. You watch how teams game plan for you. And then you watch how you the best teams game plan for you. Clemson and Alabama in the ACC title game and in the college football playoff, their entire game plans – we're yes. built around we can't let the Notre Dame defensive line dominate us. It's all quick game. Right, quick game. And then when Clemson did take shots, it was max pro. Yep. You go back and look at that touchdown pass to Amari Rodgers. They kept a tight end and a back end, seven-man protection. And Notre Dame still got penetration on that. It's just Trevor Lawrence hit his drop and let it go uh, because the guy was wide open. You look at Alabama, I mean, against Ohio State, and, and – if you want to talk about, well, you know, Notre Dame's not there because you look at recruiting, go look at all the highly ranked players Ohio State had last night in their defense and especially their front seven. And they got housed. They getting torched. And not only that, Alabama showed no fear against Ohio State last night. They were hitting the quick, quick game and the screen game like they hit against Notre Dame, but they were taking shots last night. Alabama, we talked about this. They took one shot beyond 20 yards. That's not because they were afraid of Notre Dame secondary. There was a little bit of Kyle Hamilton back there. But that's because they knew if we if we drop back and try to do five seven gonna, man drop, you know five have seven to deal step with the drops, pass rush, yeah. that pass rush is going to get to us. Yep. So they felt they had an advantage on the perimeter, which they did. They also had an advantage against Ohio State on the perimeter last night. But they weren't. They showed no fear of Ohio State's front seven last night. None. And they they did show respect, not fear, but they did show respect for Notre Dame's front. And 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 that's with three three star players in the starting lineup. 
you know? And so when I look at that, I say, that's, that's how, you know, a team is really good as you look at the respect that another team plays. Sure. You go back and watch Alabama's game plan against Notre Dame. And then you watch the rest of Alabama's games. You're going to see, they handled that game completely differently with their offensive game plan. It was, it wasn't conservative, right? I'm not saying that, but it wasn't vertical. And their offense, as we saw last right. night, is very vertical. Now, the routes are crossers and drags, which are technically horizontal type of routes. But what I'm talking about is the ball goes downfield. It's a vertical throw. Uh, against Notre Dame, they didn't even try that. And that's also partly why I felt like they did take their foot off the gas. I think there's two reasons Alabama took their foot off the gas against Notre Dame. Number one is – they knew Notre Dame couldn't score and they wanted, they got a game come. They got one more game coming up. So they, they didn't want to take a chance of somebody getting hurt. And I think that also is true because when you look at how Landon Dickerson went down in the fourth quarter of the Florida game, it's like, we're not going to take a chance of that happening again. That's reason number one. Reason number two is I really felt like they look at this Notre Dame defense and they say with Dalen Hayes, with Adi Ogandiji, with Jeremiah Wusu Korma, with Kyle Hamilton, you know, we're up 31 seven we keep trying to make a play. Those guys are all capable of making a big play. Jeremiah Wusu picks off a, a, t- a pitch play or something like that, runs it back for a touchdown. Kyle Hamilton makes a big play. We get strip sacked or something like that, right? Like we're not going to allow this defense to make a play that allows them to get back in this game because we know their offense can't score on us. And that to me sure. is a great level of respect that that they showed the Notre Dame uh, defense. And we saw it against Clemson as well. The- yeah. Yeah. The defensive front. Yep. It's all built around the defensive front. And what was the best part of the defensive front? It was the two ends. No disrespect to the tackles. I thought they had really good seasons, but it was the ends. Uh, and, and that to me is, is uh, shows just how good they were. Um, I've talked to friends of sure. mine in, in the, at the power five level that, that are in coaching. And, and when you dad talked to them about it, I've talked to Jim Nagy from the senior bowl and it's like, you know, you don't think people appreciate how good Dalen Hayes and audio and DG are because they don't rack up the big sack numbers. Um, you know, and that's just that's just the nature of, of the defense and nature of the sure. beast. But they are just outstanding, outstanding all-around football players. So we differ, but we both respect each other's decision yeah. because they're both yeah. you can make it you can make an argument yeah. for either one. And it's, it's not just wrong. what what's the yeah. perspective you're yeah, looking absolutely. at? I think you're kind of looking at absolutely. it more from a Notre Dame fan base not appreciating how good Drew White is. And I hundred percent agree with you. And this is why we did it the way that we did it, where we didn't get these really narrow parameters that force right. us into the same decision. Exactly. If we have broader, you know, broader parameters, then we can take different angles on it. And we did that in the offensive one. And that's what I think is good about this. So uh, I, again, I don't, I don't disagree with your decision at all. When you look at, cause you're taking the same perspective on defense that I took on offense where I felt Javon McKinley was underrated by Notre Dame fans. Right. And right. you feel Drew White is, and I think you're right. I mean, it's a guy that had, you know, nine tackles for loss while splitting reps, you know? Right, yeah, um, exactly. You know, so which I think what Tavon Coney have his last year, like like nine and a half, ten and 13 games, right? Yeah. And he played a lot more reps. Got a lot more, yeah. So, um, so, yeah. so, yeah, so I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just, I just, we could take it different directions, and that's what I think makes this a lot of fun. It's just, hey, which way do you want to go with it? Yeah. However well, you want. Our next award is very similar because uh, I went one way with this award mm-hmm. and it, it was very similar to the, the manner in which you went with most clutch on the offensive side. It's kind of the way I went mm-hmm. with comeback player uh, on the defensive side. And you know what? I, I let off last time. I'm going to let you go first this time. So who is your 2020 comeback player? 
So I took it in the traditional sense of a guy coming off of a big injury, you know, a guy that, that had his career kind of derailed, big question mark, and that's Dalen Hayes. You know, when okay. you look at a guy that directly came back last year, should have been his last year, gets hurt against Virginia, and, and has to come back for a fifth year, not expected to come back, that kind of stuff. And I thought he took full advantage of not having to split reps with Julian Aguar anymore and just had a phenomenal year and was able to stay mostly healthy. I mean, he – he answered the bell every week, you know, and, and again, he couldn't play as much against Alabama, but just to come back from that major shoulder injury, something that he, he struggled with in high school. Yeah. He's, he's uh, had injury issues throughout right, his career. Right. I mean, he's been a lot healthier at Notre Dame than I thought he would have been, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it was good to see him come back. And, and cause you, you know, when you talk about alignment and shoulders, you just, you never know how they're going to come back. Sure. And he came back strong. He never favored it. You know, it was never a situation where it was like, oh, you know, he's he's playing timid or he's yeah. he's afraid to really get after it because, you know, he's protecting the shoulder. Never never saw that. Ne- never saw that. And so, to me, he I went with a traditional way of of comeback, which is had to overcome adversity in this particular season, and that's why I went with Dalen Hayes. No, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and he was really one of the only guys that had to come back from a season-ending yeah, injury. There wasn't a uh, lot of think of yeah, there wasn't the, a yeah. lot of that on defense. I mean, right. you know, if Tariq Bracy like would have come back in the last two games and played great, like you know, he was a guy that then that's a mental comeback yeah, or whatever. But I just yeah. think that just speaks to the steadiness of this team. It's just it's yeah. just kind of like everybody just shows up every day and does their job at a high level. There's there's right. no you know what I mean. Like there was yeah. no other than Dalen, there was nobody that had to come back from any that we know of. I mean, maybe there's somebody that's dealing with a personal issue or a sure. family issue that we don't know about, but um, of what we know, it just was kind of like, yeah, everybody just kind of did what yeah. they had to do and they had a great defense. Right. I, I went a bit of a different direction. Um, I guess I went more uh, of, a, of a career comeback award um, and a, a lifetime achievement award, as you said yeah. last time for, for Ian Book and, and the clutch award, which I totally mm-hmm. get. Um, I went with, with Sean Crawford and look, he's had a thousand injuries. I think he's going to get his doctorate from Notre Dame. He's been there so long. I mean, it's, he, he has overcome a a heck of a lot. And, and when he came back from, from messing up his elbow, uh, was that 18? Is that 2018? That it he was last year. Was it last year? Last year, yeah, against Virginia. Just messed up his elbow and then still comes back and plays I thought his that career was season. Over. Yeah, when I saw that elbow oh kind of buckle the way. I was like, oh, he's done. He's done. Came I back was, like two games later. Yeah, came amazing. back against Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. They had amazing. a bye weekend there, but yeah. And, and the fact that um, through through circumstances that that were not necessarily his he ends up starting at safety mm-hmm. which i don't think any of us saw coming mm-hmm. um and 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 played at, at, at a you know he played about as well as i think we would have anticipated that he was going to be able to play at that position yeah. he played as well as he could have played he's not a safety yeah. okay uh but he made plays uh, he was put into some positions that he should not have been put in uh, and that's not his fault. Right. And, and the what's fact he supposed that, to say? No coach. Don't start. me. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, he could have said, look, I don't want to move to safety. Right. You know, I'm a corner. I'm a nickel. I don't want to move to safety. Uh, but he did what was necessary for the team. He, he played at a high level most of the year. Uh, he played. I mean, look, he was a starting safety on, on a, on a uh, college football playoff team. That's yeah. impressive. And uh, so he didn't really come back from anything this year. But I feel like all the injuries that he was able to come back from throughout his time at Notre Dame, that's why he gets the award for me. 
Vince, I mean, the guy had two season-ending knee injuries, yes. devastating knee injuries, tours Achilles, which is, you know, a much harder injury to come back from now and get back to full speed. And then yeah. his elbow went like in a direction oh. that human body is not supposed to go. And he came back in two weeks. Like this yeah. kid had no business being on the football field this year medically. Right. Yes, I mean, when correct. you just think of it and then, to, and to be a skill player, like, you know, it's almost kind of like if he was a lineman, you'd get it. Like Mark Schloreth had like 157 surgeries, yeah, or right. like that. you know, but like with a skill player, you know, and to be able to still play at at a level that you know, no, he wasn't a guy that, in my opinion, should have been out there in some of the situations he was out there in. And we can have that debate. I think there were two positions where, as much as I thought Clark Lee did a phenomenal job, I thought there were two positions where I just was a head scratcher that he just was so stubborn in not giving other people a chance. And that was assuming it was his decision. And I'm not 100% sure that it was always his decision. Uh, but the Buck linebacker, and then and then. The, the safety position to me at times were, yeah right yeah and, and so but one was more egregious than the other correct correct yeah because sean crawford played saying. a whole lot better than shane simon did yeah. uh you know and you think of you just think of even when he wasn't playing well he would just he would come up with these clutch plays yeah you know and that's why i haven't i didn't name him it but I, he was in consideration for the the most clutch award which i ended up going a different direction but you know you think of his whole career you think of that strip against against Michigan state going back to 2017, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, Notre Dame's up what 17 to seven or something like that. I think it was. And then uh, they're about to score and the right. running backs at the two inch line and he just punches the ball out. And I think he recovered yeah. it too. Didn't he? he got up and recovered it. Uh, you know, just, he's, he's just always been kind of that right. clutch guy. Uh, I mean, he played on the 88 national championship team. So, I mean, it's <laughs> stop. It, it, stop. <laughs> All right. Stop. <laughs> Couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> so messed up, <laughs> you know. But it's it, it, you think of the Florida State pick, you know, late in the game. Yeah. I mean, Florida State scores there. They're Notre Dame's still going to win, but it's a little sure, bit no, hairier, I got you. you know. Yeah, and, right. Uh, and then the big play for me was just the the third down pass breakup against Clemson in overtime. You know, if you go back and track that play, Clemson would have had about a fourth and ten. That's manageable for Clemson with the way that their offense was playing that game. Absolutely. You break that pass up, and now it's fourth and 24, you're done. You have no – I mean, that to me was the game-winning play. The sacks put them in position to where they could make that stop. But if he doesn't make that play there – and there, and I think it was a tight end. And you got this little old Sean Crawford who's like 5'9", five, 5'8", five, you know, not a real big, thick kid – and he just drills this big tight end for Clemson and knocks the ball out. And you're like, yep, that's Sean Crawford. That, right. That, that, epit that play epitomized his career for all his shortcomings and no pun intended. Uh, he just was a guy that if a play needed to be made, you felt like he was going to be somewhere around the ball. Right. And, 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 and to be able to be that way now, like you understood it early in his career because he was a top 100 recruit. You know, but to see that now after everything he's had to go through and, and a position change and all that, you just – how do you not respect it? And that's why, you know, we joke about his age, but it's it's in love. It's in respect because – Absolutely. You know, I don't know I where mean, I'm going to get my material next year. That, I, that's the problem. He, he is – he and, you know, the thing is his attitude never changed. Right. Never wavered. There was yep. never a doubt. Of course I'm coming back from this injury. You know, right. and – right. And I was worried how bought in he would be this year when he because originally he had said, I'm not I'm not coming back. I'm not going to play anymore. And then he came back and you're like, well, what's right. his buy in going to be? And then you think to yourself like, well, that's a stupid question. It's Sean Crawford. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. You know, if he's if he's going to put his body through that, of course, he's bought in. And then, yeah. of course, you know, he 
again, steps up for the team and does what he needs yep. to do. And um, really just a, a first-class kid, first-class human being. Um, and, uh, you know, a guy that that was a big part of Notre Dame winning some big games. If we're, I mean, if sure. we're being honest, there's you look back at some games, like well, if Sean Crawford doesn't make that play, you know, how does that yeah. game turn out? And absolutely. And he did it his whole career. Whenever he was healthy, he he was that he was that clutch player. Now, his issues this past year were more about the toll of all the injuries, just he's not the athlete he used to be. Right. Nothing you can do about that. Exactly. You know? That and that's but the thing. You knew yeah. you were gonna get everything he had to give. You know, he, yeah, he, if we're gonna critique his play, there's certainly things to critique. But what I that's, never yeah. questioned at the end of a game that Sean Crawford played in was did that kid leave everything he had on the field? And he did. Right. And the reality is Vince, he had no. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Business being out there when you yep. think of when you look at his long resume of injuries, you're like, how's that kid even playing? And not only did he play, but like you said, he was a quality player. I mean, mm -hmm. the only teams that could really expose him were like Clemson and Alabama. Sure. Right. And then North Carolina a little bit, but like most other teams couldn't. I mean, so again, it's, it's, he wasn't at the level of, of what you need at that position to win a national championship, but he was still a darn good football player for Notre yep. Dame against Absolutely. everybody else. And he was a fun kid to watch. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, you, you want you you want guys like that to be successful in life. Sure. You know, and uh, it's it's hard to argue with that when you look at from the lifetime achievement standpoint. It's it, there's nobody else that's even in the conversation. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So let's move on to the next one. Sure. And you want to talk about guys, at least for me, uh, who can help you win a national championship. Uh, that One of those guys it got this award for me. Uh, and it's most clutch. And as I mentioned on the offensive side, to me, and again, this the fun part about this is when we talk about most clutch, that, that's a different definition for mm -hmm. everybody. And, and for me, most clutch is somebody who brings it every single play at a high level, day in, day out, game in, game out, every single snap. Uh, that's clutch to me. And so offensively, that was Liam Eikenberg. 
defensively, that's Kyle Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And, and look, no one can argue his attributes, uh, you know, his athletic attributes and what he brings to the table. You mentioned it earlier about, you know, the main reason that, that Alabama wasn't going deep was because they feared the, the pass rush of Notre Dame. They, the first time they tried to throw deep. But the first time they tried to throw deep, it almost got picked off by Kyle Should Hamilton. Should have been picked, yeah. So, yeah. And, and the ground that he made up, if you watch the All-22 for that particular play, mm-hmm. when, if you mark where he was when that ball was let go and where he ended up, is it, the, the yeah. ground that he can cover right. is astounding to me with his long strides and his long reach and everything else, his instincts and, and everything else that he has going for him. Um, he's the definition of clutch for mm-hmm. me. I mean, he, he uh, attack you in the run game. Uh, he can be a box defender if you need him to be. He can play center field if you need him to be. He'll hit you on a crossing route and and dislodge the football in a good way. Um, look, he is he's what you want as a safety. There, mm-hmm. there's just no other way to put it. Um, and and from a uh, an effort standpoint, he brings it every play. So he is my most clutch on the defensive side of the ball, Brian. Well, you know, the fact that he's not going to be our most outstanding player just speaks to how good the guy that gets that award is because Kyle Hamilton was really good this year. I mean, really good. And the fact that he wasn't a Thorpe finalist was just, to me, just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've kind of started to give up on those awards. Like, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, when you look at some of them. But, uh, you know, for me, I went with Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. And I I try to stick with a consistent theme of, of how I did it on offense, which is it's not just about showing up in the big games. That's part of it. But it's also how are you in the big moments? You know, are, are you a guy that is making game-changing plays? And to me, there wasn't anybody on the roster that made more game-changing plays than, than yeah. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Uh, and that led to others making plays because teams spent so much time trying to avoid him to not let him take the game over that he ended up taking the game over anyway, you know? And so, you know, you just think of the big plays he made the interception against Pitt in the third quarter that kind of helped break that game open. Uh, you'd think obviously the Clemson, the back-to-back plays against Clemson, you know, you talk about a guy that had given up a big play. Uh, the, I think a series before uh, had a chance to tackle Amari Rogers that would have made it a third and long. Instead, he misses the tackle, goes for like 25 yards. Clemson ends up scoring. So what does Jeremiah Wusu do? Okay, I'm going to get that one back, <laughs> right? That was on me. I'm going to get that one back. So the next play, he just comes on a blitz, redirects, which shows incredible instincts and athleticism, takes the ball away from Travis Etienne, the two-time offensive player of the year in the ACC, and then you know runs it into the end zone for a score. And then to make it even better on the very next series, he gets beat by Amari Rodgers on a slant route, just – you know, comes up behind him and strips the ball out and gets Notre Dame the ball in field goal territory. And, you know, it's a 13 to 10 game. And and next thing you know, because of two plays from from uh, Jeremiah Wusu, it's a 23 yeah. to 10 game. Right. You win that game without Jeremiah Wusu making those right. plays, you know. Uh, and, and that that was those weren't the only times that he made them. I mean, I, I just – this was a guy that was just an incredibly – money player was going to make plays when it mattered you go to the north carolina game he made some huge plays in that game uh he was a guy that that you just knew was just you, you, this guy's gonna if you need a play to be made he's gonna step up and make it if you need a tone setting play to be made he's gonna make it um and his level of consistency this year i thought improved even though his numbers weren't as dynamic and and his numbers weren't as dynamic because he padded his stats a little bit in the in the bowl game against iowa state i mean if we're being honest you, you know he had a couple sacks like two three sacks that game bunch of tackles like four tackles for loss he was a much better player this year 
you yeah. know, and, and he was because it was the consistency aspect where he was so dynamic at times last year, but then he would get caught, you know, taking a bad angle or reacting late as, as, cause he was a first year star. He had never played a defensive snap of football in college until last year, you, you know, so you expect that this year was such greater consistency. And even though he was used more in different ways, he was so consistent. He just was a dominant, dominant player. But he was a money player, you know, third down stops, you know, just big drives coming up with stops. It just to me, he epitomized what I what I view as clutch, which is, yeah, you got to play well in big games. But also in that moment where somebody's got to step up and make a play, are you going to make it? And and he did it all year. And I mean, we could sit there and do a whole show on the, the plays that Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa made in big moments and key stops. You know, he just was a. He was a brilliant football player and and um, a, a, a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, I mean, that's that's a big reason why is because he's from Virginia. And as I've always said, that's where the real ballers are from. I keep trying to tell everybody this, but, you know, got to recruit Virginia more. That's where the ball is from. <laughs> and no, for I, anyone who doesn't know, that's I played high school football in Virginia. So. Yeah, yeah. There's no bias there in any way, none, shape, or form. None whatsoever. So. I mean, it's just like I said, it's the ball. That's where the ballers are from, man. Come it on. is what it is. Um <laughs> So uh, Lawrence our, Taylor, I mean, you know, do I need to go? I mean, you know, I mean, Ronald Curry, Michael Vick, Allen Iverson was great. I mean, you know, I'm Dre Bly. I mean, you know, we could Bruce Smith. We could do this all day, buddy. I'm just saying, you know, no, you're hey, <laughs> you're not going to get an argument from me. I mean, I, I, you know, I played football in Northern Indiana, so I don't True. really have a whole lot of talk. True. So Good point. It, it, Good it point. is what it is. Good point. But, Good point. Um, so. Our next two categories, uh, we, we kind of moved things around a little bit from uh, with the way we did the offensive side of the ball because the next two categories were both won by the same individual, and yeah. we wanted to talk about that individual kind of all at once. And for you, it's the last three categories are yeah. by the same individual. So uh, just everybody remember what he just said, and mm -hmm. uh, we're going to build on that uh, as we hand out best skill player, mm -hmm. uh, which is corner, safety, rover, and uh, most outstanding mm -hmm. uh, player on the defense. And, of course, both of us went with Jeremiah Wusukormoa. How do you not? Unanimous All-American. <laughs> right. Right? Just the third yeah. unanimous All-American in Brian Kelly's tenure, uh, which is not a knock on unanimous Brian Kelly. Award just, winner. I'm just saying it is a, a sure. very hard thing to do. The only other two guys to do it were uh, Manti Teo and Quentin Nelson. So Jalen Smith was not unanimous All-American. Ronnie Stanley was not unanimous All-American. Will Fuller was not a unanimous All-American. Michael Floyd, Tyler Eifert. They were consensus. None of them. Not unanimous. Which not means, unanimous, yes. I think it's the AP, Sporting News, Walter Camp, Football Writers Association, and the AFCA, which is American Football Coaches Association, the five that the unanimous is determined from. And you have to be a first-teamer on all five of them. Right. So all those great, great Notre Dame players I just mentioned, Mike McGlinchey's another one, Lee Meikenberg, none of them were unanimous All-Americans. It was Manti Teo, who had arguably the most decorated linebacker season in the history of college football. Quentin Nelson, the best guard I've ever seen. I mean, he is to guards what Orlando Pace was to tackles, right? And Jeremiah wusu -Kormo. That's it. That's the list, right? I mean, <laughs> that's the list. <laughs> That is, a, that is a rare thing. And in Notre Dame's history of over 100 years of football, they've had – I think he was the 35th, you know. So yeah. – um, and only the fifth in the last 
30 years which is you know? crazy yeah it's only been 35 yeah unanimous all americans it's hard you know and again the, yeah. the, the, it was different organizations at different times in history but sure but the, still the concept is still the same you got to be a first teamer on all of them and so for him to do that was just really just a brilliant brilliant season and he should have been i mean there's there's no debate I, i've not heard anyone say gee i don't know why he's getting all these you know first team all american stuff <laughs> won the buckus award as the nation's best linebacker should have right. won more awards with all due respect to Zayvon Collins from Tulsa. Jeremiah Wusu is a foot better football player and did it against a lot better competition. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then you look at the clutch nature ACC defensive player of the year, only player in Notre Dame history to win the ACC defensive player of the year award, but that's kind of cheating. Um, I mean, it is what it is, <laughs> but I mean, I think it does make a statement though, that this guy, Notre Dame comes into this league, and I, I do think there was a bit of a initial Notre Dame bias uh, with some. I mean, you could see it in the preseason polls, uh, but there wasn't any postseason bias because, I mean, it was obvious to people like, yeah, those guys are really good in the ACC. And and just a just a I mean, Vince, just what can you say? I mean, just. Yeah, exactly. But the accolades are great and everything, but it's like it was it was beyond that. As an offensive coach, Vince, he's a nightmare. He's a nightmare to game plan for because it's rare that, you know, teams did to him what Notre Dame did with Patrick Sertain, right, which we didn't think they should have done. It made a lot more sense for teams to do it with Jeremiah Wusu because he could impact the game in so many blitzer, run defense, coverage. I mean, he could just impact the game in every way possible that you almost were forced to say we, we just – we're not good enough to go at that guy. Right, <laughs> So exactly. we're not, we're not going to – and Alabama yeah. didn't – go at him i mean clemson nope. didn't go at him and 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 yet you know and the biggest thing for me vince i would argue if you look at he played two games against clemson this year he had four and a half tackles for loss in those two games like again north carolina is brilliant yeah when the lights were brightest yep. he was at his best and i mean that's that's uh, that to me more than the awards it epitomizes a truly great player it's one thing to pad stats it's another thing to say I was at my very best when my team needed me exactly. to be at my very best. And that's what Jeremiah Wusu was for this team. Wusu Cornwell was for this team this year. A brilliant player, but a brilliant player, especially when his team needed him. Yep. It's not a whole lot I can add to that particular uh, soliloquy by you. Uh, <laughs> look, he's the best player on the team. And the fact that he was a three-star recruit, um, the fact that he's probably going to be a top 15 NFL pick, um, at 215 pounds is just mind boggling to me from an NFL history standpoint. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's, he's the new age linebacker. He can yeah. play all three levels. Yeah. I mean, he can rush the quarterback. He can play linebacker. He can play in space. He can cover, he can do all of those things. And he's an amazing athlete when he does it. Mm -hmm. So, um, he's going to be fun to watch at the next level. Uh, th by the way, I saw a mock draft where he's headed to the Broncos. I saw that. I was excited. That out there. I, I know. was excited. I was very I know. happy about that. It might get you to watch some that. NFL football. I don't know. We'll Maybe. See. But, I mean, part of the reason um, I stopped watching the Broncos not... this year was because how bad their linebackers are. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, goodness right. gracious. Right. It's bad. So, uh, so anyway, I, I thought that that was interesting, but look, he, he, he was the best player on the defense and mm -hmm. all due respect to Kyle Hamilton. This is now his defense. Um, and so it's going to be fun to see what he does with it from a leadership standpoint. Now, I think Kyle Hamilton can become this kind of player someday. I do too. He's no, just, absolutely. He's not there. I mean, he's two years behind. I mean, when, when Jeremiah yes. Wusu was a sophomore, he, he played zero defensive snaps. Correct. You know, but for right now, I mean, he was – here's a question I have for you, Vin. Number well, two, Ooh. a comment and a question. 
and and we didn't i did not prep you for this so you're gonna oh, be oh boy okay i'm gonna actually i'm gonna ask you the question give you a chance to think about it while i make my nfl point on jeremiah wusukormoa okay who was the best linebacker who who had the best single season at linebacker for notre dame in the brian kelly tenure not most decorated but who in your opinion was the best now here's my here's my question about uh, about Jeremiah Wusukormo when you project to the next level. You mentioned he's six one and a half. He's two hundred fifteen pounds. He's not your traditional linebacker. I'm really curious. Two things. Number one is where does he actually get drafted, and do NFL teams kind of look past the size and and look at the athleticism, the playmaking, the clutchness, and and then number two, if he does go to the NFL and play at a high level, he can be a a game-changing player and I don't mean that from what he does on the field you know there there come there there come players over time that we've seen John Elway did this for a time at quarterback Michael Vick brought a little bit of this we've seen quarterbacks in different eras I think at, at players at different positions over time that you say that guy was just so different and so good that now everybody's scrambling to try to find that and now colleges are saying, well, let's move this safety or this corner, this, you know, because they're all trying to find that next guy. And if he goes to the NFL and and can play in the NFL at the level he played at Notre Dame for two years, he could be a, a game-changing player in that he opens the doors for other guys that maybe don't have his talent, but teams are going to look for that guy. So, hey, maybe I overlooked that a linebacker is only 215 to 220 pounds because of how good Jeremiah Wusu-Koromola was. And that's something that I think could be really fascinating and interesting to see when, when he does get to that next level. Now, back to that's harsh. my question for you. you. You threw me a curveball. And again, it's just based on the circumstances being what they were, who had the best individual season. So, I mean, I think we can agree that the contenders are Manti in 2012, Jalen Smith in 2015, Correct. and then Correct. Jeremiah Wusu-Koromola yep. in 2020. Yep, right. Yep. Yep. Your uh, pick is my pick is Jalen Smith. Okay. And and the reason being is because I think he could have been even better if he was utilized. See that, but again, that's not what I'm asking. Dang it! That's not what I'm asking. Who had the best? I agree with you that. If, well, then if, it's got to be Jeremiah. If Jalen Smith played in in Mike Elko or Clark Lee's defense, he would have had ungodly yes. production. Okay. Okay. Right. So then so it's got to be it's, it's got to be Jeremiah. Who was the best talent? Who had the best? Sure. Season? Okay. It's got to be JOK because of the manner in which teams were uh, game planning against him, uh, the way that he was able to change games. Uh, it's it's got it's got to be mm-hmm. JOK. Interesting. So you you didn't go with Manti's twenty twelve season. My my I I would have too. I, I went with Jeremiah Wusu's twenty twenty season because and here's the big thing about about Man, Manti was phenomenal in twenty twelve. Was yeah, no doubt. As a playmaker, I mean seven interceptions. Yeah. The problem was Manti was dependent upon the front in a lot of instances, and and he was a byproduct of how good the line was. Jeremiah Wusu was not did not depend on the the defensive line because in more often than not he was not in, he was not behind the defensive line he had to be a playmaker where it was just him and and I would argue that he didn't have quite maybe quite as many of those game changing plays as Manti but he had them in, in big you know you think of Manti's interception against Oklahoma which was a big play you know that kind of thing well you know Jeremiah said I'll, I'll see you one better I'm going to take this ball out of Travis Etienne's hands and I'm going to return it for six I'm going to yeah. score myself you know uh, you think of things like that. So I, I, it, to me, it's not a no-brainer. I think I think Jalen 
with what he was asked to do of basically you've got to not only make plays, but you got to be the, the, the eraser for what, what's happening at Mike. Sure. Uh, was outstanding. I think when you look at, uh, you know, Manti season was tremendous, but, but I, I think that the biggest impact from an actual production plus game changing type of guy, it, it was, it was a Wusu. Now, again, to your point, Vince, had he been used properly, this wouldn't even been a question I would have asked because it would have been like, no, well, no, he he, he's not as good as okay. the year Jalen had 125 tackles, 18 tackles for loss and eight sacks and three interceptions. Of course, he's not as good as, as Jalen was that right. year. Right, you know, But that's not how he was used. You right. know, So, again, it was based on what they actually did, not what they should have done if they had a competent defensive coordinator, which Jalen did not, which speaks volumes how good Jalen was because he did not have oh, a competent yeah. defensive coordinator. Um, and, and, you know, I would have loved to see what Jalen could have done with a guy like Drew White beside him, you know, or, or Joe Schmidt healthy. Yeah. That's the other thing is Joe Schmidt to me, shouldn't have been starting in 2014, but he was still a quality football player. I would, you know me, I just give groom the young guy. You're not winning the title right. this year. Groom the young guy right. to take over, whatever. But Joe Schmidt before the injury against Navy was a good football player. He was, he was a good football player. Uh, he just when the injury 2015 is the year that Joe Schmidt didn't belong on the field. Joe Schmidt could play for Notre Dame and, and be a quality player in 2014. There's, there's no doubt about it, in my opinion. 2015 is when he should have been on the field because because right. of the injury he sustained. He just he didn't have the athleticism and he's not a kid you could take a step away from and and still be productive. Sure. You know, so I would have loved to see what Jalen could have done with Drew oh, White beside oh. him, you know, and, and and a Jeremiah Wusu outside. You know, I mean, you just think about that. Like, I, I can't wait for the day, hopefully someday, where Notre Dame has those two guys kind of playing in the same era, you know, gen, same generation. They've kind of had that overlap, you know, but they haven't been able to, to beat, put them together. But uh, anyway, that that would be my pick, too. But it, it was tough. Yeah. I, I've gone back and forth about it because I got asked this question about a week ago. Somebody said, who, who had the better year, Manti or, or – or, really? Uh, or Jeremiah Wusu, and I was like, man, that's a good question. Yeah. My gut initially was Manti. So you kind of went a different direction. Your gut led you to Jeremiah. Mine led me to Manti because when you think of Heisman runner-up, you think of the right. reception. Right. You think of, you know, you think of how the first half of the pit game went. You know, and and, and for me, what changes? I look at the first half of the pit game when there was no Lewis Nix, and I think of how ineffective Manti was because they could just get to him and they were chopping him and all those kind of things. And you think of how dependent he was on the front playing at a high level. Sure. And then I think, well, Jeremiah didn't need that. And that's what swayed me over to Jeremiah. And uh, he was a, he was a heck of a, he was a heck of a football player this year. There's no question about it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Man. And, and fun to watch. I, yeah. I guess I, and a I'm great kinda... young. I have talked to so many people. I'm talking parents of linebackers. I'm talking former coaches. I'm talking anybody around the program. And the thing they'll tell you about him is he's an awesome kid. He's a humble kid. You know, when he, he thanks God before everything and it's not fake. It's just, that's him. I, I interviewed him this summer, Vince, and I wish I could have got it up, but the audio was so bad. It was just, it was like, I couldn't even transcribe it. And he just kept, I'm asking him about his season. He had 13 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks last year, tied to the team leading tackles. And I'm asking him about, it, and it's like, he was so disgusted with his play. And then we started talking about the Iowa state game and all he wanted to talk about, remember he had like three sacks that game. You know what I mean? Like, right. You know, it was, it was, you know, he kept talking about the plays he missed. I wasn't real happy with how I played that game. Cause I had this, I had that and this other thing. So um, he was, he was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. No question about it. 
So that leads us to our final category, uh, Brian, and that is who you are most excited to see in 2021 from a defensive standpoint. How about you kick this one off there, Vince? I will kick this one off. Uh, we, we, got a, we got a taste of the future, I'm hoping, uh, in the South Florida game. And I am hoping, look, there's going to be, there's obviously a new linebackers coach. Uh, there's going to be um, a, a new uh, defensive scheme to a degree, uh, but everybody's going to have a fresh start mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the linebacker position. And I am really excited to see, you know, what comes from Jack Kaiser. We, mm-hmm. we saw, like I said, we saw a flash of what he could do in the South Florida game. The kid has linebacker instincts, which I think was missing from the starter at the buck position this year. Um, I, I think that he can be just a, a settling force at that position and whether he starts at that position whether he gets competition at that position whatever the case may be i'm excited about the future of jack kaiser and i hope that that future is this fall for me it was isaiah foskey okay when i think of notre dame losing julian akwara and Khalid Kareem and and Jameer Jones is pretty good in 2019 too when Aquara went down and I and I look at how they were able to just step up and Dalen Hayes and Adio Gandizi were able to step in the lineup and and then I think about it and I'm thinking you know Hayes Aquara Kareem Ogandiji, none sure. of them have Isaiah Foskey's God given physical ability none of them and now you're putting him in a system where he's going to be allowed to attack and do a lot of different things. You, you look at the Sanders kid at, at, uh, at Cincinnati this year, 10 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks, five pass breakups in 10 games. And I'm thinking that's Jeremiah, that's Isaiah Foskey, but bigger yeah. and stronger and, and all those kind of things. So um, I, I think he's got a chance to be a special, special player. We saw flashes of it this year. And next year, he's now going to have three years of defense under his belt because he was he was remember he was originally a guy that was looking to play tight end in college. It wasn't until Notre Dame convinced him that defense was his future that he really looked at defense. And uh, he's still learning the position. Didn't play a whole lot in 2019. Sure, Uh, but even then, still made an impact. Blocked a punt against Stanford. You know, only played four games. Blocked a punt against Stanford. They got returned for a touchdown. And you know, he's got a, a tremendously bright future. I think he was second on the team in sacks with four and a half sacks. Crazy. So a ton of talent, ton of talent. And I think now in, in year three in a new system, he's the starter now. I mean, you need him to be the starter, whether he's going to be a strong side guy, a weak side guy, whatever. I don't know how they're going to play the He's going to be on the field. <laughs> they're a three, three, five. Are they going to be a four, two, five? I don't yeah. know all those answers, but what I do know is if Isaiah Foskey's healthy, he's going to be a weapon. And I'm really looking forward to seeing if he can become that next great Notre Dame defensive end. And uh, and I think he has the talent to be so. We'll see if he's got the work ethic and all those other kind of things. Yeah. But the tools are there. I'm not quite. I'm not saying he doesn't. I don't know. Well, yeah, uh, right. He's kind know. of an unknown to a right. degree as far as all that is concerned. What right. what is he going to bring to the table as a right. starter? That's different. There, there's a different mentality to being a starter as there is to being a role player. Mm-hmm. And and some guys just excel right as a role. It's like a six man on a basketball team. Some guys just right. excel coming off the bench, right? You know, even though they're better than a couple of guys that are starting. We'll see. You know, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying that he won't be. I'm just yeah. saying some guys are. Some it. guys are. Yeah, and that's exactly. what I'm. And that's what I'm looking forward to seeing sure. this next year is is his growth as a player. Does he take that next step? Because if he does, I mean, look, 
when you look at when you look at him and you look at Jordan Batoho, w- would it shock you if in 2021 or 2022, I should say, if they end up being a better one-two punch than Aquara and Hayes were in 2018? Yes. W- wouldn't shock me. It would shock me. It wouldn't shock that, me. That, but I'm not saying that they can't do it. I think he's Just, he's got you know. a, he's got better talent. And then when you look at Patelho, top hundred recruit, I mean, the future at that drop position is bright. Now the question is 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 that going to is that position? What's that position going to look like now? Yeah, that, that we don't know. But I think the natural talent there is is tremendous. I mean, he's the kind of guy that can move to the strong side and be a top player and sure. do what Adi Takumba Ogundiji did. You know, so. Um, he, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, Jack Kaiser's got, you know, another one that would have been easy to say is I'm really looking forward to seeing what Kyle Hamilton does now that he's going to be a yeah. third-year player. You know, That's I mean, fair. Yeah, there's so many different step. different ways. You know, what what is there, – there's so many different guys that we could have gone through and say, hey, I'm really looking – There's a, and there's a lot of guys on defense. I'm What's Maris going to look like in his second year in the rotation, third year in the system, you know? What's um, what's Tariq Bracey going to look like? Is he going to be able to bounce back? Right, right. Riley Mills gets another full year in the weight room. What's he going to do? You know, I mean, right. just you know, there's just so many different angles you could go with this on defense, and that's what kind of makes it exciting. And of course, I'm looking forward to seeing what the freshman corners are going to be able to do because they're going to they're going to be needed. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, Jack Kaiser, the big one for me. Actually, I wrote an article at IrishBreakdown.com about the future of the rover position, the replace and reload series. And I'm like, well, we don't really know what the rover position is going to look like if there's even going to be that similar position. That's true. And, you know, and, and where does Jack Kaiser fall into the whole of that? Is he, yeah. a, is he a rover? Is he a buck? I mean, where are they going to use him? You know, and, and that's going to be part of the fun of this offseason is you've got a new defensive coordinator, new system. Uh, who's going to line up where? And, right. and how will they adapt to the system? How will Marcus Freeman adapt his system to the players? It's going to make for a lot of fun this offseason. It is. Yeah, I, and I'm looking forward to it. The, the – Again, and I've mentioned this before, this is one of the things that I love about college football. It's mm-hmm. that from year to year, you could be looking at two completely different teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wear they wear the same helmet, but you're, you're looking at two completely different teams, two completely different makeups. Uh, the leadership is different. I mean, just all of those things. And I love that. I, mm-hmm. I personally love that. That's why I love coaching at the high school level because you get a little, you get that at the high school level as well. So, um, so yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I am so hoping we get to see some spring practice. Mm-hmm. I I know that that's probably not going to happen, but I can hope on a falling star, Brian, I, that we get to watch uh, some practice uh, because there's going to be so many cool battles. There's going to be so much that I want to see from the defensive side of the ball, you know, from a scheme standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, all of it, but we're probably going to have to wait. So um, but that is going to put a bow on pretty much our 2020, um, you know, look at this point, we've given out our awards, both offensively and defensively. Uh, we we've graded out pretty much our the offense, the defense and what we, how we thought that they did. Now it's time to start looking forward and, uh, your series on, uh, irishbreakdown.com replace and reload. We're going to turn that into a podcast series as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start breaking it down position by position. What does it look like? What do we think it's going to look like? Uh, you know, who's going to take over the starting roles? Who's going to be in those uh, th- those supporting roles that are oh, oh so important? Uh, those are going to be some fun ones to do. So mm-hmm. we're going to be starting that off in the very near future. Uh, so make sure you check those 
check out the written version over on irishbreakdown.com and everything else that Brian has. Anything you want to promote specifically over there? Well, yeah, just with like our, our upcoming shows, we're going to still be looking back at 2020, but it's more of a looking back to look forward. You know, right. who was lost, who's stepping in, what were right. they doing on offense and what do they need to do? You know, sure. we're going to have a show up. Actually, it's going to come up later today. So make sure you, you have a look on it is, you know, after watching the championship game, after watching the playoff, you know, what can we learn about Notre Dame? from the Ohio state Alabama game, where are they good enough and where do they need to get better? Where are they close? Where are they far away? So we'll have shows about that coming up. So we're not completely done talking about 2020, but we are done to Vince's point uh, with just the pure analysis of standalone analysis of that season. And it was a wild, wild season that for a, for a little bit there, I didn't even think we were going to have. And so I am, uh, I'm happy we got football this year. Uh, I'm happy that we were able to see the growth um, at Irish breakdown that we saw during this football season, uh, which has just been tremendous. But, you know, when, especially when you consider for a while there, we weren't, we, we didn't have any sports and we didn't think we were going to have a season. So um, being in the ACC was weird. We're going to have a show coming up here very soon about, uh, whether or not playing in the ACC was good for Notre Dame this year, uh, beyond, from the standpoint of, yes, it was good that they had a schedule, but what does it mean for being in a conference in the future? We're going to have to talk about that. So um, it, it, it was an interesting year, Vince. Yeah. Very interesting yes, year. It was. Uh, being at Notre Dame Stadium with no tailgating was was See, it was bad because it just took away the environment, but then it was great because we got to park right outside the stadium. It was <laughs> yeah. a much quicker walk to the state, you know. So, it was, but it was just weird. It, 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 was it didn't so feel weird. like college football game. It just, it did. I, the only see, game that I, felt like that was Clemson, in my see, opinion. See, I, I actually don't mind. Before the game starts, I like the walk to the stadium. I like the atmosphere and just absorbing it all. Mm-hmm. That gets me fired up for the game. Mm-hmm. After the game, it stinks. I, I I hate fighting traffic and all that. But before the game, I love that walk to the stadium mm-hmm. and passing all the tailgates and uh, the music and and all that is college football. That is Notre Dame Saturday to me. I would I love it love if I was it. a fan. As someone who's trying to get there and get the job done, it's like, okay, can I please park closer? Can I not walk through this? It's freaking cold. I'm sweating. It's you know, it's either the summer. It's I'm sweating now, so I get up to the press box and I'm sweating. Yes, or I'm freezing my tail off because it's now November and it's just like, just let me let me just park. But you know, but uh, but the smells are great, and oh. you know the the who's watching what game. I mean, that, as a fan, that's, that's college football. Yeah. You know, I so mean, and, hopefully we, and, have and we miss that. I, I hope so too. I hope we can get back to some level of normalcy and sanity here uh, by the time we get to next fall, but it, it was good that we got through it. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it was our first football season together, Vince, yes. uh, covering one, yeah. a team, which was strange, you know, that it w- it went down the way that it did, you know, <laughs> No doubt. We live in the same neighborhood. We couldn't do podcasts in the same room. I know, you know right? Um, stuff like that. So, uh, but we got through it. We grew uh, as a, as a company, which was a lot of fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what next year holds. But uh, uh, I think at the end of the day, we we have a lot of things that Notre Dame as a program needs to get better at. But I'm I'm going to have an article coming up soon. But one of the things I was saying is when you look at this team and, and we're talking about 10 and two and the disappointing nature in which it ended and you're thinking, 
How far has Notre Dame come to where eleven and two and ten and two in back to back seasons are disappointing? disappointing? Yeah, right. You, you know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah, and they absolutely. were disappointing because the standard is championships. But like talking about championships before Brian Kelly got here was more of a well, yeah, that's what the standard is, but they're not even close to that. You know, right. I mean, you know, I think the only year that they were ever even in the ballpark of that was probably 2005. I think that team could have played with anybody. That, sure. That, that, you know, just because of how good the offense was, but that was it. I mean, they were never even uh, in that conversation. So to see it to now where, you know, 12 and 1, 11 and 2, 10 and 2, 10 and 3 seasons are like, yeah, it's good, but. You know, I, I just think shows how far the program has come in so many ways. I mean, you think about the facilities where they were when Brian Kelly first got here, the stadium, the field, the locker, I mean, all of it. This program has gone through so much change, and part of the excitement is seeing if they're willing to take those next steps. And that's kind of where our next month or two is going to be focused on what are the next steps, evaluating whether Notre Dame can take those steps, and then what um, – you know, as they, as they do or don't then evaluating. So it's going to, it's going to still be plenty. Somebody texted me this morning and said, Hey, are you looking forward to, you know, things slowing down for you in the offseason? Like things don't slow down for me in the offseason. They actually ramp up, you know, yeah. cause there's just, there's so much going on, but uh, it's been a fun year Vince. I'm, I'm glad that you're on board, man. And I'm looking forward to kind of really starting to dive head first in this 2021 season. It's going to be a good time. So uh, make sure you guys stay locked in. Uh, over at irisbreakdown.com as well as wherever you get your podcast because we're going to keep bringing it to you. So as long as you want it, we're going to keep giving it to you. So for Brian Driscoll, I'm Vince D'Addario, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. (laughs) 